Luke 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this, this, this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Matthew 1, verse 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. After he had dis dis considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This reading is from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place whilst Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, 
peace to those with whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He, went, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. That passage from the scriptures, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, omitting 6 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him. Without Him, not anything was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from His fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Words, 4.5 billion of them in the English language, 722,000 of them feature in the latest edition of the Collins English Dictionary, the 13th edition. 50,000 of them uh, are new to that edition. Uh, and one of those words has been coined Collins Words of the Year for 2017. Anyone know what it is? No? Well, it's, it's not actually a word. I don't, I don't get how it's word of the year, but anyway, it is in fact fake news. 
probably most famously introduced to us uh, by the man we all love to hate, Donald Trump. But fake news, it bet off competition from Fidget Spinner, Insta, and Unicorn to become 2017's Words of the Year. Uh, fake news, false, often sensational information uh, disseminated under the guise of news. So an increase in 365% during 2017, which get, got it the award of Words of the Year and a place in the 13th edition of the Collins English Dictionary. But enough about dictionaries and on to another great book. We've just read a passage uh, from John, which is uh, from the Bible, God's Word today. And in John chapter 1, the word word is used four times uh, throughout the passage that we read together. And it's clear that when John's mentioning word, he's not just referring to the things that we find in the dictionary. John wrote during our time when the culture was classical Greek. And in this culture, uh, there was a word that we define as words, uh, but they would call logos. Let me just bring it up here. This is why I hate using PowerPoint. Come on. There we are. Uh, this word logos. Logos would probably be what we would refer to today as intelligent design, the opposite of evolution and the Big Bang Theory. Uh, that's the science, not the TV show. Uh, Greek culture understood that creation was very intelligent. And, and so because creation is intelligent, then surely there must be an intelligent creator behind creation, or there must be a logos behind creation. And there were various different theories as to who the Logos was. And to the Jewish readers uh, of John's Gospel, they would have understood the Logos to be the one true God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who with his words done just that, or his Logos done just that, the God who spoke with his Logos to mankind through leaders and prophets and kings. John wanted his readers, however, to refine that already understood definition of word or logos, to understand that it's not just a concept, that it's not just a God who exists far off uh, and we've come, we, we fear him every time we come into his presence. And as we read the text, we quickly find out that John's not referring to a thing or an object, he's referring to a person. And so skip forward uh, and we see that uh, it's revealed to us who this person is. Verse 17, we read, grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. So if we want to understand the Word, we need to understand Jesus. If we want to understand Jesus, then we need to look at His identity as the Logos or the Word. And so if you've got a Bible in front of you, look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And so the very first thing that we learn about, about Jesus as the Word is that He pre-existed. He has no beginning. He was not created. He existed before time existed. Although He existed within time in a human bodily form, He's not restricted to that time. There was never a time where Jesus did not exist. In that familiar Christmas passage we often read in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me, to be ruler of Israel. His goings forth are from 
long ago, from the days of eternity. So, Jesus, it wasn't just a new concept that was invented for Christmas. Jesus was brought into human existence at the time that we remember of Christmas, but he existed long before that in eternity past. And that same Jesus that existed then exists today, not in the same way before as a baby in a manger or a man walking the earth, but as a king who sits at the right hand of God in heaven. And so Jesus exists today because he wants us to have a relationship with God, and it's through faith that that is made possible. You don't need to see that which you have faith in, but what you have faith in must, first of all, exist. So, for example, you came in tonight, you sat down on a seat. That seat had to exist for you to sit down, but you didn't watch the seat as you slowly lowered your body down onto it. You just moved in, sat down, and you had faith that it was there. And then you had faith that what was there would actually keep you up and stop you from falling on the floor. And so that's faith. We don't need to see it, but it does need to exist. We can't see the Christ of Christmas in the same way that they saw him in that first Christmas, but he is there. We just need to have faith. And we can have faith because he is eternal, because he's always been there and he always will be there. And so as we read these opening verses of John's gospel, it bears a similar resemblance to, by the way, all that noise you're hearing in the background is my daughter, so uh, don't be thinking, oh, for crying out loud, but parents not keeping that child quiet. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll probably notice a familiarity as you read John 1, uh, verse 1, uh, in the beginning. We've heard that before, haven't we? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. Only this time it's in the beginning, the Word. So John's not just telling us that Jesus pre-existed, but he's also, he's also telling us that he existed with God. God is eternal, and Jesus is eternal. The two existed in eternity past together, which leads us on to our next thing, as John tells us, he continues on in verse 2, that the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So Jesus was and still is God. The only other thing that existed in eternity past other than Jesus was God. So just as Jesus pre-existed with God, so too did he also coexist with God. He didn't come to be in competition with God. He came as God, shared equality with God. Jesus is one of the three-part God, we call it the Trinity, uh, that God is one God in three persons. But within that one God, there's three different roles. There's the Father, there's the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so God wants us to have a relationship with Him. And that's why He revealed Himself to us in three different ways. The Father shows us the type of relationship that we should have with Him. Uh, the Son demonstrates what the relationship should look like. And the Holy Spirit makes the relationship possible by being our point of contact with God today. And so, as we read the passage, we read that Jesus existed face to face with God before creation, one with the Father. And that's how God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to be face to face with Him. You can't have a close relationship with somebody, anything other than face to face. So those of you who are married, think about your spouse. What if your relationship was spent 
not face to face, but back to back. Maybe that's something that you need to work on this Christmas. Or maybe you're existing side by side, you're coexisting, you're moving forward, but you're never really working together. You can never have a close relationship in that way. And so if we want to look at the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us, we need to only look to the face-to-face relationship that God has with His Son, Jesus. It's a relationship that existed long before humanity existed. It's a tried and tested, perfect relationship. It never changes. John continues in verse 3, All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And so Jesus is the Creator. God, if God created the world then Jesus was the template that he used for creation. In Genesis, we read, let us make man in our own image. The us part of let us make man in our own image is the Father and the Son, Jesus, working together to create the world that we live in. At Christmas, Jesus didn't take the form of a human being. At creation, human beings took the form of Jesus. The problem is what we view today as man, what we do view today as mankind is not a true representation of the template. We've taken God's perfect creation um, and we reformed it into the likeness, into the idea of our own creation. We've told God we don't like his template. And, and so we've taken what he's made with his template and each of us are living to our own selfish desires and we're, we're reforming it to such an extent that it's almost unrecognizable. There's a lot of talk today about identity. You can form your own identity uh, through social media, for example. So if, if you've got a Facebook page, will you decide on what you put up there? And what you put up there might look completely different to the real you. Many people today talk about being born with the wrong identity. But you know, we were never born with the wrong identity because we're all created in God's image. When we grasp the idea that Jesus was the template for our creation, then we recognize the fact that we've broken God's creation. And then we've got something to look towards as we try to get back to the way that God wanted us to be. We'll never know our true identity unless we look to Jesus. Maybe this Christmas, you're struggling to work, work out who you are. You might put on a front, you might tell the world, well, this is me. But you know, deep down inside, you're somebody completely different. Or maybe you're struggling even just to define who you are. Then if that's you, then look to Jesus because Jesus is our true identity. Everything that's been broken in our image is fixed in his image. So Jesus came into this world to live the life that we should have lived so that we can turn back to God and discover our true identity. John continues in verse 4. Apologies, that's not very bright. But the important words are there. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Life is not something that Jesus was given. If we start the Advent story with the fact that Jesus was given life at Christmas time when he was born of Mary, then we miss the mark completely in trying to establish who Jesus is. See, John wants us to understand that before the angelic message to Mary, before the donkey ride to Jerusalem, before the baby in a manger, Jesus was self-existent. 
In him we find the very essence of life. He didn't need life to be given to him because he already had it in eternity past. He brought, his birth through Mary was merely the transition that he made from heaven to earth in such a way that he can relate to mankind. So when he came into human existence, Jesus then said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Nobody gets to heaven except the life that I have to give. So if Jesus pre-existed with God and co-existed as God and is self-existent as the source of life, then it stands to reason that the way to eternal life is with God through Jesus because Jesus is the one that holds the key to eternal life. It's not through our good works. It's not through going to church or even calling ourselves a Christian. None of that alone will get us to heaven. Only faith in Jesus. But what about now? Well, it's because Jesus has life, sorry, Jesus is life, that we have life today. Acts 17, 28 says this, in him we live and we move and we have our being. So Jesus, he's not just the, he's not just the creator of life, but he's also the sustainer of life. We can only sit here tonight, we can only sit breathing, living, existing because of the grace that God has shown to us through Jesus Christ. See, our sin deserves the judgment of God and death, but when Jesus died, he did so that we might escape God's judgment if we have faith in him. Then the life given by Jesus will be eternal. So if you need proof that Jesus exists tonight, let me give you a little test. Go home, look in the mirror. Well, first of all, if you can walk to the mirror, then Jesus is real because you have been given the ability to walk. If you can see in the mirror, then Jesus is real because Jesus has given you the ability to see. If you can feel your face and your features, if you can breathe, Jesus is real because Jesus is the giver and sustainer and the savior of life. In one single verse, John records his entire version of the Advent story. And it's in verse 14. And the words became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father. So John wants to reveal Jesus, eh, not with a nice little story, but a theological truth. That God has become man through Jesus Christ and revealed himself to the world. This is the postface to the preface that we read of in Isaiah 7:14. Read these words. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. We'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Isaiah, he pointed to the day in which God would become man to dwell amongst us. But John, he points back to the day when God did become man and God did dwell among us. And so we can have that close relationship with God because God is a God who can relate to us. He came to this earth. He lived under the same struggles that we lived under today. He was hungry. He felt pain. He was tempted. He cried. He mourned. But yet we're told in Scripture that he never sinned. John also tells us that Jesus came so that we can see God's glory. He existed existed on earth 
to bring us the presence into the presence of God. The glory of God is the presence of God. It was seen in the Old Testament in many different ways, usually in the form of clouds or fire or something dramatic like that. And nobody could look directly at the presence of God. Nobody could come into the presence of God and have that face-to-face -face relationship because of sin. Think Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you've ever seen that movie, and that bit at the end when they open up the ark. That's what that's based on there. The idea that our sin prevents us from coming into the presence of God. And Jesus came to deal with the sin issue. He came so that we can see that glory, so that one day we can have that face-to-face -face relationship with God in heaven and live with Him there for eternity. If God didn't become man, then He couldn't take the punishment for our sin because the, the laws that were written down before the foundation of the earth said that a perfect man had to come and pay the price for sin. But being God, He could deal with the full wrath of God and survive because he was not characterized by sin in the same way that we are. Jesus became flesh to show us the glory of God so that he can finally give us the gift of God. Look at verse 16. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. And so Jesus gave the greatest gift. Christmas, it's time for giving gifts, isn't it? It's that great anticipation what are you going to get? What are you going to get? Or that's that great anticipation of um, thinking, oh, how are they going to respond when I give them their gift? But you know, the greatest gift of all is the one that God, only God could give. And it's this word here, grace. Unearned favor with God. So God's love for us was such that even in our sin, God sent Jesus to the world, the Logos, the Word incarnate, so that he could give us life and God could give us grace. See, everything that we could ever want but we don't deserve comes because of God's grace. If you don't remember a single thing about what I've said tonight, then remember this one word, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, and that is the real gift this Christmas.